So my name is Hannah. I am one of the associate pastors here at First Church. It is good to be with you. You are here and present with us. You are present with us online. It is good to be able to worship with you and to just bring you a word of Jesus. I have a question for you, though, this morning to kind of get our, our frame of mind in the right place. Who here, and I've asked you this before, wants to receive a blessing? There you go. Yeah, that's right. I'm glad you've raised your hands for that. Now, I have a follow-up question to that. Who here likes to feel satisfied? Yeah, you're like, i got to think about that a minute, right? You're, as we go through the message, you'll, you'll understand a little bit more what that satisfaction means and looks like. But it is a good feeling. Well, just keep listening because we are going to tell you this morning how you can receive yet another blessing and how with that blessing comes a sense of satisfaction. Will you bow your hearts in prayer with me? Almighty God, it is satisfying just to be in this space this morning. Lord, to lift up our voices, to open our hearts, to praise your name. Lord, to see the wonderful ways in which you are using the gifts of so many to make this space a welcoming space, a loving space. Lord, I thank you for each person who has come, and I pray, Lord, that their hearts may truly be opened. And if you need to rip them open, Lord, do what needs to be done, that your Holy Spirit that is already present with us may fill them up, emptying them of themselves, Lord, to fill them up with you. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So have you all ever been asked to do something that you didn't think you could do? You know, something that maybe seemed really challenging at first, maybe it was serve day, serve day. Maybe for some of you, when you got out there and you saw all that was being required of you, you thought, oh, why did I sign up for this? Right? Maybe for you, the, I bet there are some of us here who have jumped off of bridges bungee jumping or jumped out of airplanes and maybe you got to that point and you thought I am crazy forever thinking that I could do something like this. I know those moments for me that they came with motherhood. Right? I, I'm good far along in my pregnancy and I'm thinking I don't know that I can do this. Like, even still, there are some mornings that I wake up and I think, oh, dear Lord, please don't let me mess my child up. You have those moments, but yet, you get up every day and you do it every day, right, with the best that you possibly can. You know, if you want one of those challenges, if you have no idea what I'm talking about and you want to know what it means to really be pushed and challenged by something, in September, there are some folks from your Crossfire campus, and this is open up for all of the Butler campuses or for anybody who is listening, but you can join us for the Tough Mudder run that we are going to be doing. We are just doing the 5K course with, uh, I think there's about 15 different obstacles on it, but that is a good way to have one of these moments of, oh man, what did I sign up for? But you can join us, you're welcome to see me afterwards, we'll make that happen. 
But you know, something that we have been hearing about these Beatitudes, a couple of different conversations that we have been having about the Beatitudes is that people feel a little bit like this. They see them, they hear us talking about them, and they sound lovely. Like something that you would hang on your wall to decorate your home. They sound like beautiful words to maybe live by, but they don't really sound attainable. I have been surprised at the conversations that I've had over the past couple of weeks of people who think these words aren't really for them, right? That they are really only for the spiritual greats, the saints in the faith. Right, they're really only for Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr. or those people who work at places like Fishbone Ministry. But I want to remind you about who Jesus was talking to when he was sitting up on the mount. He was talking to people who would have been fisher, fishermen in the Sea of Galilee. He was talking to those who would have been merchants on the ships, working in the marketplaces to those who maybe had been servants of people's households. He was talking to the grandparents who were chasing around the little kids in the fields. He was talking to people who every day get up and make the world go round by the small things that they do and the way that they live their life. He was talking to people like you and he was talking to people like me. He was talking to people who had just come to listen to what this man had to say, right? This man, for those people who were there listening, Jesus wasn't Jesus like we think of Jesus. Jesus was somebody special. He was doing some pretty unique things that they had not seen done before. He, he preached with this authority that they had not previously recognized and they were intrigued and they wanted to know what he had to say, but he was still just a man to them. But it doesn't mean that these words were any less important or that Jesus was just sitting up on the mountain blowing smoke. He was saying these words as the very words that re revealed the character of God. There was nothing that Jesus did without doing it through the permission of the Father. Nothing that Jesus said that didn't reflect who God was. These words were the very character of God revealed to the people who were listening. That means for you and for I, these words are the God-ordained words to live by. Not just words that you hang on your wall and think, oh, that's a nice sentiment. But they are words for you and for me, and Jesus for him to say them, he must have believed that we could live them. So I want you to listen to what these Beatitudes are telling us to do, how they are telling us to live. And I want them to be something that doesn't just sit in your minds, but something that works in your heart and is shown through the way that you live your life daily. So let's go back to the Beatitudes. What have we learned so far about them? 
From Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This one is the one in which we are going to unpack for you today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, to hunger and thirst is something that I believe you and I can understand a little bit. I guarantee that a couple times yesterday during serve day, there were people who said, I'm so thirsty, right? Or I'm so hungry. But the type of hunger and thirsting that Jesus is talking about here is the type that really drives us to action, right? It's not just a, oh, I really wish I could have something to eat. It is a, oh, I need to stop everything that I'm doing in order to seek out some food or I am going to be no good to anybody. We all know those people who are hangry, right, when they're hungry. This is my husband sitting right up front here. If he saw me winking at him, that was intentional. We all know those people who get hangry, right? Whenever you are lacking food or nutrients or sustenance, your, your ability to really engage with one another with any type of patience kind of goes away completely, right? Or whenever you are really thirsty, it really doesn't matter what it is that you have to drink, you will, you will drink anything at that point in time. When you are so thirsty, just anything to quench that thirst, anything to satisfy. And when you have reached this stage of hunger and this stage of thirst, you are not going to just go for a little drink, right? You're not just gonna turn that faucet on and let it just trickle out a little bit, but you are going to wholeheartedly dive right in, right? You're not gonna waste any time when you finally have that thing in front of you, you know that is gonna satisfy that longing and that desire that you have. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is the meaning behind the words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who wholeheartedly seek after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And it is satisfying, isn't it? It is satisfying whenever you finally do get that thing that your heart desires more than anything else. You know, I believe this word satisfaction, I believe it is one for people who struggle with depression, for people who struggle with anxiety. I believe it is one in which that is an emotion that is lacking. That is a feeling that they don't feel. There is always this sense 
that we're never going to be completely satisfied. We always want something more or something that we can't have. Maybe a feeling of happiness. Satisfaction is wrapped up in our well-being. It is wrapped up in the way that we perceive life. It is wrapped up in the way that we perceive others around us. It, it is wrapped up in the way that we engage life. Because right? we want to be satisfied. It is a good thing to feel. That means we are happy with the way things are. We are content with what we have been dealt or with what we have achieved. But this satisfaction, actually, it is, it is even more than that. According to the Greek, the word satisfaction actually means to be filled with grass. Now, I don't know about you all, but whenever I am hungry, I don't think, boy, I sure wish I had a big bowl of grass to chew on. Okay. I, I'm sure I have a couple of vegetarians out there who a big bowl of lettuce would just sound so good. But we usually go for something with a lot more sustenance, a lot more meat within it to satisfy that hunger. But I want to remind us of the context in which Jesus was preaching in. He was sitting up on top of a mountain and he was looking out, not just at a sea of people, not just at the, the Sea of Galilee, but he was looking out at a sea of grass that was in abundance, that was in rich supply. That grass would have been life for so many there. And it would not have run out. This is the satisfaction that Jesus is talking about. The satisfaction that is in abundant supply, that is always ready to fill us up and to leave us feeling happy with life. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Right? Always, abundantly, richly, with great sustenance. Now, righteousness. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? There are several meanings within the Greek context of righteousness that we could take a look at. According to what you are reading in scripture and where you see this word pop up in the context that is around it, this word can take on um, several different meanings. For instance, to be right, or to be in the rightness of God, or to be in relationship with God, to be made right by God, or the righteousness of God is what washes away your sins and renews you. Right? These are all wonderful meanings of righteousness, but this is not necessarily the meaning of righteousness as Jesus revealed it in the Beatitudes. As you see up here on the screen, actually, this is the New Living Translation. This is a, um, we oftentimes in our church will read from the NIV, the New International Version, or the New Revised Standard Version, the NRSV, but the NLT is one of the translations that we actually use a lot for our recovery community, and I love the way that so much of it is written. 
But what it does is it replaces that word righteousness for justice. Because righteousness in the Greek also means justice. And this is the righteousness that Jesus was talking about on the Beatitudes. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. So what does justice mean as Jesus used it? You know, as hard as it might be to hear, but our American understanding of justice is not the same as our biblical understanding of justice, as Jesus understands it. Justice has to do with God's intended design for everything God has created. Everything and everyone and every place that God has created. This is what justice is. Justice is not about getting amends made for a victim or for somebody that harm has been done to, seeing the perpetrator brought to justice. This is not the justice that Jesus is talking about here. Justice, as Jesus is talking about it, he is not standing in the court of the law, but he is standing in the court of creation when Jesus is speaking of the characters of God. So justice gets our mind around not just ourselves, but the earth and the animals as well. When Adam and Eve were created, they were set in a garden that had everything that they need pre-fall and post-fall, right? When they were in perfect relationship with God and when they had sinned and fell away from that perfect relationship with God. Everything that they needed was provided for them in that garden. They had food. Those plants provided health care that was necessary. They had shelter. They had clothes when they realized that they were naked, and they had relationship with one another, right? And they had relationship with God. They had all of your basic human rights. God provided it for them in the beginning. That is what justice is. It is all of God's ways for all of God's people, or all of God's ways for all of God's world. Justice is all of God's provision for all of God's people. This is the justice that Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those who go after this justice, go after the ability for everybody to be able to have access to the provisions in which God has provided from the beginning of time. This is the justice. So satisfied are those who work wholeheartedly for all of God's ways, for all of God's world. All of God's world. There's a meme that is going around Facebook that talks about the question, why? Right? And it talks about if you really want to get to know one another, if you really want to understand where each other is coming from and the various viewpoints that are out there, a good question to ask is why? 
There is a reason that kids ask why a thousand and one times when they are in a, a five minute conversation with you because they want to understand. They want to know. So if you want to understand and you want to know, then ask this question, why? Why is this important for us? Why is this one of the Beatitudes that Jesus has decided to include within that first five minutes that he has with the people who have come to hear what he has to say? Why is this important? As you can imagine, there are many possible answers for that question. Why is justice important? Why is it important that we go after it? We hunger and thirst for it, wholeheartedly pursue it. Why? One of the themes that the Spirit kept revealing to Pastor David and I as we were writing the sermon together this past week was this connection between satisfaction and justice. Satisfaction in the pursuit of justice. Remember that satisfaction, that, that happiness for your life, this connection. So often satisfaction is an individual thing, right? It is personal to you and I. We want to be satisfied in our careers. We want to be satisfied in our families. We want to be satisfied in the communities that we live in. We want to be satisfied with our bank accounts and with our cars, with our landscaping, with our attire. When we retire, we want satisfaction, and that's not a bad thing. It is okay to want satisfaction, but the biblical understanding of satisfaction does not lead us to just asking, how can I be satisfied myself? How can I achieve that for myself or for my family? But the biblical understanding of satisfaction is wrapped up in the satisfaction of others. We can't be satisfied as God desires us to be satisfied if those around us are not satisfied. I know that's a lot of satisfaction in one sentence. We can't be satisfied as God desires us to be satisfied if others around us are not satisfied. It is not just about the promises of God for ourselves. It is about making sure that others have access to those same promises. And that might mean that you and I, who have those promises, have to work really hard to help remove the obstacles that are keeping others from experiencing those same provisions. That might mean we need to work to eradicate things like evil and injustice, oppression, intolerance, prejudice, and racism, in any forms that they present themselves. And I want to remind you, if you have joined a church, if you are officially a member of a church, that is part of your membership vows. Right? To fight evil and injustice in any forms in which they present themselves. Jesus says, satisfied are those who work wholeheartedly 
to remove these obstacles for people so that they can experience the promises and provisions of God, all of God's ways for all of God's worlds. But to really help us understand this, to really drive home how we do this and what this looks like, Pastor Data and I thought that it was really important that we understood the difference between equality and equity. If you are in the business world, these are two words that you might understand very well. But I believe in the social realm, these are two words that really we get mixed up pretty easy. So we're gonna look at this difference between equality and equity. Equality is important, but true justice lies in equity. Because that needs to come into play if we're gonna provide access for all of God's people. You might have seen this picture because it was really popular at one time in helping us to understand this. Equality is that we all have the same things, right? And we all have the same goal. The goal of these kids is to be able to look up over the fence to see the ball game. So equality is that we all give them the same means to be able to achieve that. But we aren't all the same. And we don't all have the same abilities in life or the same set of privileged circumstances in life. And so then equity, it is not all being the same or all treating one another the same. It is all being fair and treating each other with fairness. And so fairness and equity is this picture over here where we provide special means that people may be able to all achieve the same goal. For instance, if we really want to help think a little bit more about this, um, I think about people who have multiple kids. I grew up with three brothers and myself. I have a daughter who is three and a stepson who is 11. You know, my brothers and I, I know my parents all desired the same things for us. They all desired that we were happy and that we were clothed and that we were fed and that we succeeded in life, that we had a good education, that we were loved. But the ways in which they helped us to get there looked different. For my daughter and my stepson, I desire that they know that they are loved. And I will lay down on the couch with my three-year-old daughter and I will snuggle her. And it will be wonderful. But if I lay down on the couch and I snuggled up my 11-year-old stepson, that might be just a little bit weird. He'd probably be like, what are you doing? Right? So the way in which we show them love might look a little bit different. The way in which we help them achieve those things that we desire for them might look a little bit different. We might have to work a little bit harder with one kid than we do with the other one. Education might come a little bit easier with one child than it does with the other one. Sports might come a little bit easier than it does with the other one. And so we provide for them different opportunities to be able to achieve the same things in life. This is the state of equity. 
And if we need just a little bit more biblical encouragement that this is important to Jesus, that this is important to the will of God for our lives and for our church and for us as a people, we are going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 to 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we don't hide away. They are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor, honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is equity. We lift up those who have fallen and need more help. We give them special attention and we help them to be able to achieve it and to access the provisions and the promises of God. This is fighting for righteousness. This is fighting for justice. So, so how does that translate in our lives? What does that look like for each of us in our own sphere of influence? I want to encourage you to every single day, every day, I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to be able to bless somebody else with what you have. We all have gifts that are unique. We all have things in abundance that others don't have. So how can we reach out and bless them? That is just the smaller picture. But in the bigger picture, how can we reach out and bless the world? I want you to pay attention to the opportunities to help remove those obstacles. Maybe through generosity, maybe through your time, maybe through using your physical giftedness to help another by working up that yard like we saw in the pictures. Sometimes it might mean allowing others to fight on your behalf. Allowing them to be a part of the body means allowing them to help you out as well. Every day, Look for ways to help another experience being loved, being cared for through things like education. Maybe you can help tutor somebody else. Maybe that's something that's been on your heart to do for a while or through things like healthcare. We know our healthcare system is not perfect, but everybody should have access to those things. Access to clean water, to an abundant food supply, 
to clean and adequate clothing. These are things that are basic to experiencing God's intended design for life in God's world. Yet, these are things that people are being denied access to every day. And I guarantee you and I can do something about it. This is injustice when access is denied. That is injustice according to the biblical standard. Remember that Jesus says God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they shall be satisfied. This includes you and this includes me. This includes the people sitting around you. This includes the homeless in Butler. This includes the starving in Africa. And this includes the people who are banging at the wall. This includes them too. And maybe that means you have to change the way you see people to understand that it is all of God's provisions for all of God's people. And if you have more, then more will be required of you to give. We're not looking at a worldly standard of fairness. We're looking at a biblical understanding of justice. And that is justice. Remember, satisfied, the satisfaction of your life, the happiness of your life, the contentment of your world, it is wrapped up in the satisfaction of others. Satisfied are those who work wholeheartedly for all of God's ways, for all of God's world. All of it. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, like I said, rip our hearts open if they need to be ripped open. Make us compassionate to those who do not have. Convict us to give what we do. Lord, remind us that you loved us first and you provided all that we needed. And may we wholeheartedly seek to be a reflection of your goodness for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.